0: Let's up. You guys have your Bibles with you. I hope you do. Uh, open up to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. When you get it, say, Got it? All right. Uh, titled the message tonight, How is Your Walk? And so uh, I, I want everybody to consider that right now. If somebody were asking you, because I am, How is your walk with the Lord tonight? Um, don't answer me out loud, but everybody just introspect, just uh, consider. Within yourself, how's your walk with the Lord? Is it good? Is it is it bad? Is it is it uh you know is it stagnant? Are you moving forward? Are you forging ahead in faith? Um, are you rolling backwards? Like where where do you happen to be tonight in your walk with the Lord? Uh, as we walk through this section of First Thessalonians four, Paul is ministering to the Thessalonian believers about their walk and how they should be walking, and so. Uh, my prayer is that God will meet us through his word, as I know he He always does, and that God will speak to us some things that we need to hear tonight. So would you guys pray with me? Father in heaven, we thank you for the privilege of being able to gather like this. Uh, thank you for the brothers that put this together. Uh, thank you for every man that is here watching, listening. And God, as we open up your word, we believe that it's living and powerful, that through your word you speak to us. God, you reveal things to us. Uh, God, you reveal yourself to us through your word, and so tonight as we, uh, God, as we ponder how we're doing in our walk with you, God, I pray that as we read through scripture, you would reveal, uh, expose, convict, confirm, encourage, rebuke, exhort all the things that your spirit will do through the word. God, have your way. Meet us in this place as only you can. We pray these things in Jesus' name, and everybody said Amen. All right. So one of the things that we're going to see right up front um, is uh, some of the issues that were happening in the Thessalonian church. There were some purity issues going on. Uh, I never want to skip an opportunity when I'm standing before brothers, when I'm standing before men. Uh, I know that 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 that's always no matter if I'm standing before 13 year olds or 75 year olds, I thought this thing goes away when dudes get old. But I've seen that it don't. I, I, I've talked to some old fellas that they don't they even work. They still it, you know. So um, we, 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 this, is, this is really an area that men need to conquer in Jesus' name and conquer in the life of the Spirit so that we can be and do the things that God has called us to be and do. I, I can't tell you how many guys I've seen derailed, uh, not taking heed to this particular area of their, their walk in life. So everybody look at verse 1, 1, Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1. It says, finally then, brethren, we urge you and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more, just as you also receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. And so uh, he opens up saying, look, I, w- I want to urge you, I want to exhort you in the Lord that you guys ought to be abounding more and more. When I ask you, how's your walk doing? Um, it, it, the way you know your walk with the Lord is doing good, I'm abounding, I'm growing, it's fruitful, things are moving forward. You may not be perfect, but you're abounding, you're growing, things are fruitful, things are moving ahead in your walk with the Lord. You know how you know things are not good in your walk with the Lord? It's not abounding. It's not fruitful. It's not forward progressive. It's not, it's not moving ahead. And so um, Paul said, that's what I'm exhorting you guys. You guys should be abounding. Everything you need to abound in the spiritual life, God has already given this to you. You know that? You guys already have the word of God. Amen? You guys got the spirit of the of God that lives in you. The same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives in your mortal bodies. Amen? Everything that you and I need to be conquerors, God says already you are more than conquerors through Him who loves you. Everything we need, we got. We're not, you guys aren't gonna get anything else. It's gonna be a matter of do we tap in to what God has made available? Am I gonna abound in? Because I know brothers that are abounding in lots of stuff, guys. Some guys are abounding in sports. I love sports, I'm a Lakers fan, die hard. Till I die, I bleed purple, um, you know. And and but I know some guys that they don't know no verses by heart. They don't make it to no regular studies. But if I ask these guys, they know who's on the roster. They know who's sick. They know who got a, a hurt ankle. They know who might get traded for who. They know who might come next year from college and be. I mean, they know enough to get paid about something that don't matter to God. And then when we open up the book, they don't know nothing don't be that guy at, at least know both right if you're gonna know all that about lake of the sports net or whatever when I when you open up the book I, you better be knowledgeable know something about the book amen abound in that's something we got to be careful of but make sure we are abounding in that which matters I got a teenager and I'm, I'm encouraging him in this you know he's a kid he plays video games and stuff and i I said I showed him a pie of his life and I said you got to make sure that with the pie you may do some stuff that's just for fun I'm not knocking that but make sure that the the make sure that's not a big pie in your life. Make sure that a big part of the pie of your life is not given over to something that doesn't make. Make sure you haven't mastered something that heaven looks down and says so. Big deal. There are some guys that are great at stuff that God would look down and say so. I get no glory from that. It doesn't do anything for my kingdom. Woohoo! You're great at it, but it, it, it does it doesn't it doesn't matter to him. Um, make sure that's the smallest piece of pie in the pie of your life. Make sure that you are abounding in some things that matter in heaven. Amen? And so Paul is exhorting the believers here that they would abound more and more. He said that you should abound more and more just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and please the Lord. So I got a list of these things. Number one on my list is our walk with God ought to be progressing. Our walk with God ought to be progressing. It should be moving forward. We shouldn't be stagnant. We shouldn't be sitting still. Our walk with the Lord, it should be progression. It should be moving forward. Um, When when he says that, that phrase where he says how you ought to walk and to please God, that's number two on my list. Our walk with God ought to be pleasing to him. And that's something I gotta ask myself, right? I I have had hobbies, I've had things that I've been into as a man. Is my walk with God pleasing to the Lord? Um, some of you guys, how many of you guys are married? All the married men, put your hands up, all right? How many married men would agree that your wives can let you off the hook when you know you're not you're not walking pleasing to the Lord, but your wives is just they just dwell with you anyway? Put your hands up. Put your, all right, so so there there are people that can they can they can feel like life's okay. My wife's fine, she's not saying nothing. The kids, they know not to say nothing, you know. You, you kick them out in any way, you know. So uh, nobody's bothering you about it. And it really becomes something that we got we to gotta take charge of in our, our spirit. God, is my walk pleasing to you? I got to be real with the Lord. I got to ask the Lord those questions. I got to bring my life up before God. God, is my life pleasing to you? Is there anything about my life that doesn't please you? Does it please you how I deal with my kids? Does it please you how I treat my wife? Does it please you how I spend my time? Does it please you how I spend my money? God, does my life please you? And, and I would challenge every brother here. That's a, this is, as we, as we, we're we're going to go through this stuff tonight, but my hope is that you're going to go home and pray this stuff through, that you go home and this will be part of what you take before the Lord. God, I want my walk to please you. I want to be abounding in my life before you. I want to walk in a way that pleases you. Because here's the cool thing with the Lord. Everybody here can please the Lord. Y'all know that? You don't have to be talented to please the Lord. You don't have to be gifted to please the Lord. You have to be faithful to please the Lord. And here, that's the coolest thing about how God sets things up in the kingdom. None of us can be as gifted as some other people, right? I watched a brother sing up here. And for some of y'all that can't sing, some of y'all howl. You know what I mean? So everybody, we, we can't all be that, right? Everybody can't do that, right? There's some things that some of y'all do talented wise. Everybody can't do. But in the kingdom, The the what God honors is faithfulness, and everybody can be faithful. Everybody can be faithful. And so, and faithfulness pleases the Lord. That's the that's the that's 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 the currency of the kingdom of heaven, faithfulness. Well done, good and what? Faithful servant. Not good and gifted, not good and talented, not good and good and faithful servant. And so everybody here can be faithful, and that's what I'm encouraging you to be. So so number one, our walk with God ought to be progressing. Number two, our walk with God ought to be pleasing him. I've always been kind of blown away when I think about Enoch. If you guys look at Enoch in Genesis 5 and Hebrews 11, all we know about him, right? He walked with the Lord for 300-something years. He had Methuselah, and, and he says he, he, his, his, he started walking with the Lord. The Lord took him. And all we know, that scripture tells us that, that he walked with the Lord and it pleased the Lord. He didn't do anything spectacular. He wasn't preaching sermons. He wasn't, you know, casting out demons. He just walked with God. There was just a consistent, steady, forward progression. And God said, I like this dude so much. I'm going to take him up now. And God took him to heaven. He walked with God and it pleased the Lord. And so your walk with God can also be pleasing to the Lord. Now, uh, verse 2, it says, "For for, for you know what commandments we gave you, through the Lord Jesus verse 3 For this is the will of God your sanctification that you should abstain from sexual immorality And so one of the things that Paul is going to deal with directly with the believers here he tells them this is the will of God right So we know that part of so there're lots of guys that are trying to figure out what God's will for their life is well we're explicitly told here one of the things that's God's will for our life it's God's will for our lives that we would abstain from sexual immorality. Now, what does that mean? What is what is sexual immorality? It's um, it, it, it covers a lot of things, guys. Um, sexual immorality it's it's a, uh, it's it's not just one thing. It's not just you know fornication or just um you know adultery. It's it's all forms. It's it's an it covers all. It'll cover pornography, it'll cover lust, it'll cover porn, it'll cover all those things. God says, look, it's the, this is the will of God, your sanctification, you're set apart. That word sanctification means to be set apart by God for God, just for the Lord. Do you guys know as believers, that's how God sees us, that we're, we're sanctified. We've been set apart by God for him. How many of you guys have things that are, that are just yours that you don't like to share? Anybody got stuff you don't like to share? I don't like to share my car with the people in my household, right? Now, I'm not selfish, right? Everybody in my house, is, is they're, they're short. Um, and so they get in my car, and they scoot it all the way up, and then they, they, and then they hike the seat way up. So when I try to get, I can't even get back in. I get in, my head's bending, my neck's bending. I, I can't get in my own vehicle. I'm like, put it back. So I don't share. I, everybody else has their own car. Um, you know, I, I make sure I get something my wife don't like to drive. Um, because that's how they do me. I'll be trying to fit back in. I look like Mr. Incredible, trying to get in something. So I don't like sharing cars. and I also I'm a kind of a, I'm a neat freak about inside my car. I, I don't like trash. I don't like stuff. I like it to be neat and clean. I like it to smell good. I got my little orange uh, pina colada smelling trees in my car. That's, that's how I like my car. I let my kids use it. My wife use it. The kids eat in it. I got french fries underneath. I got, you know, Coke cans and old Starbucks juicy fruit, goody goo, all kind of stuff, and I don't like it, you know. So I, that's something that's set apart for me alone. I don't like to share it. How many guys here would say your toothbrush? That's just for you. Anybody here share a toothbrush? <laughs> I mean, I like my wife a lot. You know what I mean? I kiss her and everything else, but that, that, you, you got your own toothbrush. You know what I'm saying? You, you, you got to get that bacteria out with some, with your own stick, you know? So <laughs> there's some things that are just for us. That's the idea of sanctify, set apart. But you're set apart by God for God. And so think about this because there are lots of things vying for your attention. There are lots of things vying for your, your, for your mind time, for your mental space, your, your, for, your, for, your, for your passion as a man. There are things that God, God wants your passion to be for him, right? God wants us to be men that are passionate about the things that matter to him, but you got guys that are passionate about all kinds of stuff, right? Believers that are their passions are given over. It could be cars. It could be sports. It could be you name it. It could be if, if you're passionate for something that's not God, I'm, I'm challenging you tonight to reel that in some. Just give God that passion. Let the Lord. What, what might God do with a room full of men like this that are passionately running forward with the Lord? Right? What if we were all? What if, I mean, what if you had a group of men here that were just passionate about the things that matter to God? We'd tear up some stuff, y'all. i mean, in a good way, you know. We 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 could do some right. We could do some. We could do some serious work for the kingdom. And so, again, Paul exhorts him here. This is the will of God, your sanctification. And then he says that you should abstain from sexual immorality. And uh, again, and when we look at that phrase, sexual immorality, it's it's the the Greek, it's the word pornea. And it covers adultery, fornication, pornography, lust, um, you know, all illicit sexual activity, sex by yourself. Y'all know that God didn't intend for you to have sex by yourself? Can I say that to y'all? It's a men's study, right? I didn't hit a lot of amens. Y'all know that God didn't create sex for you to do it all by yourself. Amen? All right. Some of y'all shaking hands and you shouldn't be. So I'm I'm here to help. I'm here to help. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's true. It's true. It's true. And so it's a form of sexual immorality, right? Sex God designed to be enjoyed by a husband and wife together in the marriage bed. So Satan takes everything God creates for good and there's any any there's a perversion of it. So take sex outside of marriage and do it with people that are not married. That's a perversion. We call it fornication. Take sex with a guy that's married to this girl and have him have sex with that girl he's not married to. That's a perversion. It's called adultery. Right? There's lots of different ways where Satan will take something God created a good thing God created, right? Uh, but then pervert it and so now this thing that would be a blessing in the marriage bed, God would actually bless it over here, over here is damaging your relationship with the Lord. It's damaging your conscience. It's damaging you and if you're involved with somebody else it's damaging them at the same time. This happens to be one of the areas where men fail most commonly. And some guys just kind of accept, you know, as a man, you know, as a kind of man, we all kind of struggle. We can struggle, but are you, are you losing the struggle? Everybody here struggles. Everybody here has to, has, to, has to grab a hold of themselves. Everybody here has to catch your eyes and pull them back into your head and, and keep that stuff in order. Everybody here is going to have that struggle. Are you, are you victorious in the struggle, guys? Are you giving in? Have you left doorways open? Have you left roadmaps in? Have you left places where Satan can get back through? Have you shut the door on this thing? Have you left openings for it? Again, I'm here to encourage you, right? We're, we're talking about our walk with the Lord. Well, this is a big part of our walk. Um, this is part of my walk where I struggled as a Christian. So um, the challenging thing with this part of your walk is that nobody else knows. Some of you guys can be doing something nobody knows except you and God. But that's enough, amen? That's enough. If you and God know, that's enough. That, that's God is who I want to be right with. You, if you fool everybody else into thinking you're a wonderful, godly brother, and God is looking and saying, no, you're not. You haven't fooled anybody but yourself. Because one day you got to stand before him, amen? Judas had everybody else fooled, right? Jesus says, one of y'all is going to betray me. They didn't all say, God, ah, we knew it, Judas. Nobody, they, they said, Lord, is it me? Is it me? He was so good. He had fooled everybody but Jesus. He's still in, he's in hell right now. He's been in hell a long time, guys. Right? He fooled everybody but the one that matters the most. Don't get good at fooling people. It'd be better to be all the way real. It'd be better to look a brother in the eye and say, bro, I'm struggling with this. Honesty. And and, and get prayer and counsel and help and accountability and all those things. It would be much better to be the guy that's acknowledging a struggle Then the guy that's convincing everybody he's doing great until he got to meet the master. Right. And so Paul is exhorting these believers. You know why Paul's saying this to them? He loves them. Paul's not down on the Thessalonians. He's like, man, I love you guys. I know God's got a plan for you guys. Right. I got two letters to write to you guys. I'm answering questions and straightening stuff out because because you guys matter to God. And I'm not telling you this to down you or to put you down or to make you feel bad. Paul didn't come into town so he send this letter so they could leave and feel bad. Paul says, I want you to know what you got to get right so things can be good between you and the Lord. Amen. And so when when God speaks to us in this way, you know, don't feel condemned. Don't feel beat up. If if the boot fits, make the adjustment, because some of you guys are sitting here and you got the victory. Right. This is not this is not this is not convicting you. It's a it's a reminder, maybe, but you, you you're doing well here. Praise God. May the Lord confirm you. May he affirm you in this. May you continue to have victory. May you, be, may you be the guys reaching back, pulling brothers up to come with you and walking in with it. But maybe if you're here, you're listening, you're saying, yeah, I'm blowing it here. Praise, praise God you're here and you're listening. Um, that th- You want to repent. You want to you turn around. You want to make a U-turn. You want to acknowledge that, you know, it's not okay before the Lord to just let this part of my life be amiss. Jesus died on the cross for all of you, right? He didn't die on the cross for most of you. He didn't die on the cross, raised from the grave to be Lord of most of your life. He bought, he bought you with his, blood, with his own blood. He bought the whole thing, right? He, he bought all of you. And so he should have all of you, right? All, every part of you should be his. And so and the idea that we were set apart for God, even your sexuality, that belongs to God. It's God's will that my wife be the only person that that uh that I you know that I get that I get it on with you know that I I put on my Barry White and my Luther with you know, that's God's will that it's just her you know. Till de- till death do us part and we make it to heaven, um without killing each other that's that's the will of God, for my life that that is that is it for me you know and uh and everybody here we wanna we wanna find that place God I want you to be honored, even in this place in my life, we live in a culture that is corrupt and carnal and sensual and rebellious to the Lord. But we've been called out of that, right? We've been called, we, we're in it, but we're not of it, right? We see it all around us. We see the effects of it, uh, the influence. And that's why we got to be careful how much of this world we're taking in. That's why it's so important for things like this, that men get together and worship the Lord together and get in the word of God together and spend time like this, where you can speak to one another. You be like uh, Pastor Rob said, so you guys coming together and pray for each other. We need prayer. We need to come together. We need to pray for each other and pray God's strength on one another. We need those times to, to be real and honest and sincere that the Lord might work in his church through the men of the church. And so, again, Paul exhorts them in this way that they would abstain from sexual immorality. Then verse 4, he says that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel and sanctification and honor. Uh, the idea is that everybody here is responsible for themselves. You got to possess your vessel, Right. The body that you live in, God said, that's your body, right? But it belongs to who? But you control it, right? You you do what you do with your body, but God says, but it's mine. It belongs to me. You're the, you you know, you get to get up and go and do what you're going to do with it, but it belongs to me. And God says, you need to know how to possess your vessel in sanctification and honor. You should possess it in a way that is set apart for the Lord and it honors the Lord. Everybody here needs to possess their own vessel. Sanctification and honor that word possess means to acquire, to get a hold of, to take control of your vessel. So you are responsible for what you do with it and what you allow others to do with it. You possess it. I remember when I was a kid, um, and you know, my I I had a bike, I lived where the the 105 freeway freeway is. When I was a kid, that was dirt. That's when my all the kids in my neighborhood we call it the dips. And that's where we would go down on our bikes and ride our bikes. And there was always the older kids trying to take the younger kids' bikes. And so my mom's rule was, you know, my mom was kind of hardcore. My mom's like, if, if they jack you for your bike, you don't get another one. Um, so I, I got jacked for a bike at my grandmother's house one time. And I thought my mom was going to have sympathy for me. These guys clotheslined me. I had a big old hematoma on the back of my head. And I was like, mom, and they took my bike. She's said, okay, hey, you don't have a bike now skateboarding. The, I didn't get a bike for another year and a half. I had, I got one from my dad. But that was that was how she was. But it was like, if, if you can't keep it, right, if you can't go down there and keep it, you don't need one. I'm not going to keep buying bikes for them to jack from. You. That was her mindset. So if you get a bike and you know they jack bikes over there, be, be ready to fight, have you a few friends, have a rock, a stick, a pole, or something. But if you get your bike took, you're not getting another one. That was, that was my mother on bikes. And so, Uh, See, you know, the idea was you had to possess it. I gave it to you. Now keep it. If you can't keep it, you don't get another one. Now God is not, you know, I'm not saying God is exactly like that, but God is saying, hey, this body right here, you possess it. You're in charge of it. You're in charge of what you do to it, what you allow other people to do to it. You possess your vessel. And God wants you to possess it in sanctification and in honor that We would consider that if I could be honest with you guys. I'm, I'm, on, a, I'm on a program right now, so if you guys see me, this is uh, this will be accountability for me, right? We're in the month of uh May, we're getting ready to start the month of June. Um, between June uh, and September, um, I, I got a part of possessing my vessel and saying I'm overweight, so I, I eat a lot i uh, I be on the grill, getting my grill on. I do it a little too good. And uh, as I'm, 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 I'm looking to this, this is not good, right? For me, this is not good. This is not, uh, I haven't had any health issues yet, but I know that this can bring on stuff. So that's been a conviction for me. God's like, you need to take care of that. That that it, it's, it's not just all the sexual stuff. Yeah, you don't drink anymore. Now you're not doing that. But what, what if you? What if I delivered you from sexual sin? Delivered you from alcoholism? Delivered you from cigarettes for you to die early because you're fat? Ah, you know, like man, come on. So 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 that's something that I, I've had to take that. All right, I take that on the chin. That this is something the Lord wants me to, to work on. So I I got a plan in place. I got some things. So don't don't start mailing me diets. I I got some stuff. I know what I got to do. Um, so I just got to do it. So I, I, my, my first goal is from June to September. I got to hit a goal. Then I got, then I have some other goals that I'm knocking down. So, so if you guys see me in the future, there should be more of him and less of me. Uh, if I'm as fat as I was, y'all be like, Hey, pastor, I thought you said, (laughs) I thought you was going to possess your vessel. Y'all can, y'all can get at me. You know, I deserve it. So, but, you know, it, it, it does encompass all these things that I belong to the Lord. I'm a servant of the Lord. I want to I want longevity. I don't want to cut myself short um, in any way. I don't want to cut myself short because I had a lack of self-control and sexual sin. I don't want to cut myself short because I jacked up my health. I want to be of service to the Lord as long as he would allow me. Amen. And so I got to possess my vessel as well. So um, wherever it fits for you guys, may the Holy Spirit you know, confirm and convict and challenge, but may we accept that, right? May we, if God is convicting, don't don't fight it, okay, Lord? I I gotta, I gotta I gotta yield to you in these areas, cause I wanna be I wanna be useful to you. I want I want my walk to please you, Amen. And that's the goal: that our lives, that our walk, everything about it, that it would it would be pleasing to the Lord. Look at now, um, verse five. It says, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. Right? Um, the, my, my, my fourth thing is our walk ought to stand out from those who do not know God. Our walks should stand out from those who do not know God. Um, did I give you guys number three? I'm sorry. Number three was our walk with God ought to be sexually pure. I'm sorry. I skipped. So three is our walk with God ought to be sexually pure. Number four is our walk ought to stand out from those who do not know God. I got to be okay as a man of God, as a Christian, with my not, my life not looking like everybody else, right? That Paul says, look, you guys shouldn't be continuing the passion of the lust, acting like the Gentiles who don't know God. Uh, my wife and I just celebrated our anniversary, and so... Uh, we got blessed to go away to a place and we were having a good time and we we're in the hotel uh, making our way up and uh, I, there's a guy that gets in the elevator with us and he's him and his you know wife I would I would presume and he's hey what are you guys doing oh we're celebrating our anniversary how long 24 years Yeah, oh, he said man when I see you downstairs man I'll buy you a drink and I was like uh, all right, I, 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 don't, I don't drink, you know, I, I don't drink, you know what I mean? So I'm like, I, I don't want to beat the guy up. I understand this. As a non-believer. he was saying, hey, man, I'll, I'll offer you a drink or whatever. Um, now, I recognize when people don't know God, that was a kind gesture, right? I've had people that don't know God offer me marijuana. Hey, bro, you want to hit this? I said, that's a, that's a kind, I mean, you're you, your hard-earned money. You bought that marijuana, and you are going to let me smoke it for free, that's a kind gesture from a non-believer, so I'm not going. I'm not going to beat them up for it. I'm not going to partake either. But I also know where it's coming from. You know what I mean? And so, um, but as but as a believer, I, that's where I got to let people know. Hey, I'm, I'm a Christian, bro. I, you tell people you're a pastor. Oh, okay. Excuse my French. You know, uh, and then they don't want to say nothing else to you. You know. But oftentimes, that's that's what you let people know. Like, you know, I I, I don't do that anymore. You know. Uh, I don't drink. I, I don't. Um, I don't partake. So, um, Paul again he tells them not in the passion of lust, not like the Gentiles, again who don't know God. Our lives, it just should be in, in contrast to people who don't know God. People who are watching you, observing you, it should just be different. Would you guys agree? It should be different. I mean, that should be easy. You belong to God. You, you're, you're, you're under the lordship of Jesus Christ. You, you do some things that they don't do. You don't do some things that they do. Every Sunday, hopefully, you're somewhere where they're not. You know, your whole life should be different. So it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be hard to pick you out. It shouldn't be hard for people to say, I knew there was something about you. I knew there was something different. I've had neighbors where we live right now. Uh, they were trying to figure out what I was. Um I've been offered, you know, I walk my dog and I talk, I talk to everybody. So I if people talk, I'll say, hey, hey, I start talking to them. And I don't tell people I'm a pastor. They can know I tell them I'm a Christian, but I don't tell them I'm a pastor. Cause what I found that once somebody know you're a pastor, then they're like, they're all they shell up and they don't want to say nothing else. And and then they start excusing their French and all this kind of stuff. So um but I've been what I've been accused of being more times than I can count is a cop. They figure you don't drink. You don't smoke. See your family. You're a cop. Not a, not a cop, sir. Nope. Not no no law enforcement here. I got guns, but I'm not law enforcement. <laughs> you know, um, all my gun people clapped. I love y'all. All right. So, all right. Moving on. So we we should clearly uh, be distinguished. Our walk should stand out from people who don't know God. Look at verses six to eight. It says that no one should take advantage of. And defraud his brother in this manner, because the Lord is the avenger of all such. As we have forewarned you and testified, for God did not call us to uncleanliness, but to holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. That's a lot right there. So Paul says, first of all, he says, no one should take advantage of or Defraud his brother, Um, and and this is how that works, right? If if let's say you're here, you're a single guy, and you're dating three, four girls and fornicating with them, and you, you know, God's, you know, you don't know later on down the line, it's gonna marry. She's gonna mother, marry some brother in the Lord. You've defrauded your brother. That's his wife. That's why, as a, if you're not saved, you're supposed to just maintain right? If you're a believer and you're married and somebody else has a hot wife, are you supposed to be lusting after somebody else's wife? That's defrauding your, them looks are for him. You got to look at your wife and and, and like it as best you can, you know, but you can't be looking at someone else's wife. That's his wife, right? That's defrauding your brother. And so in that sense, he says, look, don't, don't defraud your brother. In this manner, because the Lord Lord is the avenger of of all such. The the Lord avenges that. The Lord is going to be the one to discipline and punish these things. Um, It says, as we also forewarned and testified, for God does not call us to uncleanness, but he called us to holiness. And this has to do with the call of God upon our lives. He didn't call us to uncleanness, to sexual morality is the idea, uh, but he called us in holiness. Right, God called us to set apart lives. God called us, whatever you were when God put his hand on you, God, God cleaned you up. Uh, when God met me, I was a mess, guys. I was living with a girl that I wasn't married to, um, living in fornication. I was cheating on her. I was heavily involved in pornography, sexual sin, alcohol, selling weed. I was, my life was filthy, grimy, but I didn't know better. I was a non believer. Then I got saved, I got born again. And the Holy Spirit went to work immediately. First, got to kick the girl out. Boom. Then alcohol. Boom. Then selling drugs. Boom. It was one thing at a time. God was like, God, the Holy Spirit moves in and starts cleaning up shop. He, He would not leave you the way He found you. Now, some things were more of a struggle than other things. I thought that my biggest struggle was going to be alcohol, because as a non-believer, that's what I thought I loved the most. But as God delivered me from alcohol and cigarettes went together. Um, I found that my biggest struggle was sexual sin, that 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 ended up being the sin that was rooted the deepest, started the earliest, had the had the longest history. And I had the biggest battle with. But I I did know right away God was calling me to clean that up. God was there's something that I had been okay with up until that point that the Holy Spirit that lived inside me was not okay. I wasn't going to be able to live like that any longer. And, and by the grace of God, you guys, by the grace of God, this, if I could explain how God works to bring you to victory and this, in the simplest terms possible, I would say it works like this. You make a decision to obey God, right? Once God reveals to you that something is wrong, it's a sin, you get to make, you, God gave you free will. you got to yield your will. God's not going to take over. Anybody here ever ask for prayer and you hope that a prayer was like going to zap you and make you start doing things? It don't work like that, right? You, we we've been. I, I used to pray for God to take stuff away, and God was like, no, I'm waiting for you to give it up, right? You want me to take it away? I want you to repent of it. I want you to turn from it, right? Here's how it works, though. You make the decision, God, I agree with you that it's wrong, and I've been wrong for living this way. It is a sin. Forgive me for it. I agree with you that I'm going to turn from it, but I need help. I'm weak. And then I need then God will give you the you make the decision God will grant the power. I promise you. That's how it works. You make the decision, God will grant you sufficient power to have victory in that thing. It won't be easy but he'll give you enough. He'll give you everything you need. God's never commanded you to do something he won't help you do. Therefore, when I'm living in sin, it's my fault. All my fault. And when I'm walking in victory, who gets the glory? I can't take any credit, right? I take no credit. For the victory I've had over alcohol since 1995, by the grace of God. God had mercy on me. God did for me what I, God helped me do what I could not do in my own strength. I don't take credit for victory over sexual sin. God, in his mercy, God has helped. I don't take victory in it. And if I lose a bunch of weight and next time I see y'all, I can't take credit for that. That's going to be another area where it's like I made decisions. God granted power all to his glory. That's how, God do, that's how God works. Amen. So, so then everybody here, you got to know that you can be victorious over whatever you're battling. Right? You can be victorious. You have everything you need already to be victorious. God's waiting on you to make decisions that are in line with his word. When, 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 we, when, when we confess in scripture, it's, it's, it's homologous to say the same. I'm saying about my sin the same thing God says. It's wrong. And I, I repent. I agree with you, God and we just line ourselves up with the Lord, then God will apply his power, and we'll walk in victory, and God will get the glory. And as you learn how to walk in victory, then you can turn around and take somebody else that's battling and struggling, amen? And that's when a group like this becomes really powerful, is when you got brothers that have been helped by God can turn back and help some other brothers that need to be helped by God. And next thing you know, we've all been helped by God. God's got to send a whole new group for us to help get help from God, amen? And uh, and then, uh, then you have a church full of men, that are strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And they understand that it's not them, it's him. And they can be humble but victorious in the name of Jesus. Amen. That's a powerful church. Amen. Amen. So again, Paul exhorts him here. God didn't call you to uncleanness or, or, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God who has given us his Holy Spirit. He reminds him here, look, if you, Paul says, if you reject what I'm saying, you don't reject man. Right. You're rejecting. This is God. And he reminds him who has given us his Holy Spirit. Can I tell you why that's a big deal? Right. Because God's called you to holiness. Right. And nobody here has the power to be holy in and of themselves. And God knows that. God said, as soon as you put your faith in me, I gave you the Holy Spirit. He moved inside you. God, the Holy Spirit lives in every believer. Do you know that? So so God says, look, I'm calling you to holiness, but I've given you help. Jesus told the, the disciples, look, I'm going to be leaving, but it's going to be better. It's going to be okay. I'm going to send a helper to you guys. He's going to come alongside you and help you, right? Now we put our faith in Christ and the Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit moves in, lives inside you. That's how come things start changing. You couldn't, you wouldn't, none of us would be holy without the Holy Spirit. God knows it. So God I'm going to move right in and I'm going to He's got jobs. He's going to convict you of sin, guide you into all truth. He's going to be at work in your life. And so... God has now, I mean, it's fair if God said, I've called you to holiness, but there was no Holy Spirit, no power. uh, I'd say, God, I don't know how to do this. I don't have the power. But God tells us, Paul says elsewhere, he says, for it is he who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. God said, I'm at work inside you, causing you to want to do even more to be able to do for the, the things that please the Lord. Paul says, remember the one who called you to live this way gave you the Holy Spirit. He's given you everything you need. And i got to remember that because you know who won't remind me that? Satan won't remind me that when I'm struggling. I'm struggling and there's people that are struggling and say, I can't. I can't. I'm just too hard. I'm weak. I can't. Satan is not going to remind me that i got I got God in me. God the Holy Spirit lives in me. I am weak, but he is. Amen. So, so it's true that I'm weak, but that's not enough. That's not an excuse to fail because the Bible says his strength is made perfect in what? My, so be weak then. Let him be strong. Be weak. You can be weak. But here where I am weak, I'm going to find that the Lord is strong. And so I can still be victorious. Every, everything I need, I already got. And everything you need, guys, you already got. Amen? That our walk with the Lord might be pleasing to the Lord. Look at verse 9 and 10. It says, but concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another, and indeed, you do so toward all the brethren that are in Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more. And so, number five on our list, our walk, uh, our walk ought to be characterized by Christ's love. Uh, after Paul's dealt with some of the internal stuff, he says, you know what you guys got right? You guys do a good job loving each other. And he wants to encourage them to continue to do that, that Christ's love should permeate the life of the believer. We're living in a time, I was talking to Pastor Rob a little earlier, where we're seeing a a type of division and just a yuckiness among the church of God. uh, In a way, I've never seen it before. Over political stuff, over racial stuff, over all kinds of stuff that's been going on. And God said one thing that should mark the church of God it should be that that the love that we have for each other. The love that was shown us, right? God loved the unlovely. Then God said, I want you guys to do that for each other. And, and it should mark that. They should know you are my disciples by your what? It should, it should identify us to the world. The world should look into the church and say, how did you guys do it? How'd you guys figure it out? How'd you guys figure out how to get all those different types of people together in unity and they love each other and they're concerned for each other's families and it's genuine and it's legit, right? Paul is acknowledging the Thessalonians, are, they're doing well here, and he's, he's exhorting them that they would continue. That, again, our walk ought to be characterized by Christ's love. Ask yourself that. Does my walk with Christ, is it characterized? Am I loving and Do I love people? Do I love the church? Do I love other believers? Do I love people? Is that the kind of character that you are? Because our walk with Christ, it should be characterized by love. If Christ's image is being formed in me, Right, if if the fruit of the spirit is being born out of my life, something I should be a loving individual. That should mark me. People, your neighbors should say, "Hey, he's really." They they should they should they should mark you in your community. It should mark you in the workplace. If you're known as a bitter, yuck mouth, growling, complaining, here comes here comes Wrecked Ralph. You know, that's if that's you and you a believer too. That's a bad witness. That's a bad representation. Amen? We should be characterized by Christ's love. And here's the thing about Christ's love that's so important. I want you to catch this. Christ doesn't just love those who loves him. Christ loves those who hate him, right? So when it says that we should be characterized by Christ's love, get that. Christ loves those that don't agree with him. Christ loved those that didn't like him. Christ loved those that were against him. It was Christ who hung on the cross and said about the people who just put him there, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. That's what he said. That's, that's who he is. And so God, give me that. Give me that love for, for those who don't like me. Give me that love for those that are, that, are, that are assaulting me, that are coming against me. But let my life be characterized by Christ's love. I don't want my life to be characterized by being a mean guy or a tough guy or, or, or any of those things. I, I want my life to be characterized by this because that's that's the fruit that I want to be bearing as a child of God. Amen? Amen. Lastly, verse eleven and twelve, it says that you also aspire to leave a that you also aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business. Everybody say that mind your business, mind your own business. And to work with your own hands, as we commanded you, that you may walk properly toward those who are outside and that you may lack nothing. Verse 11 and 12, our walk ought to be a witness to those outside the faith. An issue that they were having in Thessalonica where they were believers who were not wanting, not wanting to work, but wanting to take advantage of the body of Christ. Guys didn't want to work, but they wanted to come and, and mooch off of other believers. And so, you know, Paul would straighten that out, you know, for them. He told them later on, if you don't work, you don't what? Eat. That's right. If, if your hands ain't moving, your mouth ain't chewing, you know. So if you don't work, you don't eat, you're not going to have it both ways around here. Um, and believers, we ought to be a witness to those that are outside of the faith. And so he said, look, you guys ought to mind your business. We shouldn't be busybodies We shouldn't be gossip carriers. You shouldn't be the guy at work saying, hey, did you hear? Hey, did you hear? (laughs) Sound like ten females and you two men in a room. We shouldn't be that, right? Sorry to the ladies. God bless you guys. But men shouldn't be that, right? Christians shouldn't sound like that. We shouldn't be those people. We should be minding our business, doing our work as unto the Lord, uh, walking properly uh, to those that are outside. And it says uh, that you may lack nothing. As we mind our business, do what we're called to do, trying to be a good witness, working with our hands, God says you won't lack anything that you need. And so as we wrap this up, and these are, you know, obviously this isn't a, this ain't the whole Bible, but we, we've touched on some areas of our walks with the Lord. And I, I always want to do this. I never want to sit under the word and it's like, I heard a word and go home. I want you to be challenged in this way. I'm going to run through the list real quick. If you heard a word from the Lord tonight that speaks to some area of your walk that you need to make an adjustment, you need to repent or change or do different, uh, I really want you to take a moment to write that down. And I want to pray for us, for those areas. I told you what mine is. I'm fat. I am got to deal with that. Uh, I got I to gotta take heed to my vessel in a better way. Um Wherever the Lord would have spoken to you, uh, wherever God is challenging you to make adjustment, to make change, uh, I want to encourage you guys. Let's let's hear from God, but let's commit it to the Lord. And after you commit it to the Lord, share it with somebody. Don't keep it a secret. Make yourself accountable to somebody else. Amen. I, I've never liked the format for accountability that says somebody is supposed to be calling me to keep me accountable. You know why? It's your job to be accountable. Make yourself accountable. You're the one doing it. Call and tell on yourself. Drop dime on yourself. But don't, don't wait. Don't, don't put the burden on somebody else to keep sniffing around you. Hey, you doing okay, bro? Hey, good? Hey, you doing right? Hey, no, no put it, but let the burden be on you. Hey, hey, bro, I'm struggling. Pray for me. Hey, I messed up yesterday, bro. You want to tell, I'm telling myself. You know, uh, you know, you make yourself accountable. So, again, it's wherever area you want to deal with, I'm encouraging you to pray to the Lord. Write it down. But tell somebody, too, that they can pray for you and you guys can hold each other accountable as the weeks go by. Amen. So here's the thing. Number one was our walk with God ought to be progressing. It should be making forward progress. We shouldn't be stagnant. And hopefully we aren't aren't going in reverse. Number two, our walk with God ought to be pleasing to him. Uh, We should be living in a way where we're seeking to please the Lord above everything. Number three, our walk with God ought to be sexually pure. If you're battling any area of purity, um, you want to deal with that. Our walk should be uh, sexually pure. Number four, our walk ought to stand out from those who don't know God. Uh, There should be a distinction between you and the people around you who, again, they don't know who the Lord is. Number five, our walk ought to be characterized by Christ's love. Uh, Would it be said of you that you are a loving individual or not? It should characterize our lives. And then lastly, number six, our walk ought to be a witness to those who are outside the faith. Um, Those that are outside should see your life, and it should be a witness to them, uh, that they might be drawn to the Lord, not pushed away from God. Amen? Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you that it's living and powerful. And God, we pray that however you've spoken to us, wherever you challenged us, convicted us, God, I pray you'd help us to yield to you. In these areas. God, may your word permeate our lives. May your spirit convict us, but also give us the strength that we need to yield into new areas, to give more of ourselves to you. God, the goal of our our time tonight is that our walk would be pleasing to you, that our walk with you would be better. So, God, help us. Convict us where we need change, strengthen us where we're weak, help us to make ourselves accountable both to you and to our brethren. God, that you might get the glory in our lives in a greater way. Thank you for this time in your word, in your presence, and among your people. We pray all this in Jesus' name. And Everybody said, Amen. Amen. amen.